Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right, let's do it. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. As always, a lot going on. Of course, the big announcement today from Ron DeSantis. The media flummoxed. Yeah, this is really interesting to me. The media, which treats Twitter as its assignment editor Mm -hmm. and go-to source for all the breaking news that matters, like Border Patrol agents whipping migrants at the border, (laughs) are perplexed. They're flummoxed. They're beside themselves because Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, is going to be announcing that he's running for president uh, today, 6 o'clock Eastern, during a Twitter Spaces chat on uh, with Elon Musk. Yes. Um, and a lot of people are saying, what is Twitter Spaces? Yeah, which is weird. If you're on national television or national media and you're saying, I don't even know what that is. You're not a very good reporter. You need to figure out. I mean, it's not that hard to explain what Twitter Spaces is. I know a lot of people don't know about it. It's what it is. It's an audio platform. So you can have audio chats with followers or if it's just, hey, I'm going to like a podcast essentially on Twitter. It's not that hard to figure out. Um, But anyway, the media cannot figure out why he would make an announcement on Twitter. Okay, roll it out. Here we go. You are set to host an event at 6 o'clock Eastern time on Twitter. I find it very baffling. Launching a candidacy with Elon Musk. This is not a parody. Twitter is very much not real life. Twitter is not where voters really are. Twitter is a diminishing force these days. What the heck is Twitter spaces? (laughs) (laughs) I understand the deuce. He's a little older. Ah, This space thing. I haven't done what? My space? I just joined last week. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't understand. How is it all that different than multiple candidates, including Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, releasing yeah. prepackaged videos on Twitter to they announce that they're to mention that. What, what's the difference here? I don't understand why anybody is perplexed by this, because it's not like media is not going to be listening to this and not going to be reporting on this. To me... It, one, it's a stroke of genius for Elon Musk because he just got a lot of people interested in something that in a feature of Twitter that a lot of people didn't know about. Um, and so and they'll know about it now. Yes. And as far as the effectiveness for Ron DeSantis, I'm, I'm kind of sitting here going, well, I, I don't know how this is somehow supposed to be worse than doing a campaign rally or I mean, th- well, yeah, besides that, I mean, Twitter Twitter doles out about 90% of what you see on the news. No kidding. Twitter is responsible for it. So why wouldn't I do that? Right. I mean, that's where everything's coming from. Well, I think the whole campaign, it's a multifaceted thing. This is the first step. There are other things planned, but the focus is how he's doing it on Twitter. And that doesn't make sense to, you know, people that are used to some politicians doing things a certain way. And, of course, I mean, you knew the Trump campaign it doesn't matter what DeSantis does. They're going to come after him. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that. Saying, well, yeah, that way he doesn't have to talk to people or answer questions. And, you know, he doesn't even have to show his face. 
Okay, he's going to have to at some point in time. The one thing I thought was interesting, and I don't know if this was part of the thinking from the DeSantis campaign, when you go down (laughs) the favorability ratings for all these different politicians, a lot of people are underwater. You know who's not? Elon Musk. Yeah. People like him. And, boy, from the way the media portrays him now, you wouldn't guess that. No. No, that's— But that's true. You know, that's a good example of, you know, we just heard there, Twitter's not real life. You know, media is not real life either. And to most people, when it's like, what is it, like 70 to 30 or 80 to 20, depending on what poll you're looking at in terms of favorability for Elon Musk, most people think, hey, he's kind of a funny, eccentric billionaire who builds rockets and electric cars. Right. Vanity Fair said, Ron DeSantis is doing this with Elon Musk because David Duke wasn't available. Yeah. Most people yeah, don't see it that way. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, uh, more on that a little bit later. David, I want to get to the update from yesterday with this crazy professor. You had this story. We had yeah. an update during the show, and now there is another update to this. Yeah, New York City's Hunter College has fired a professor, the one we talked about yesterday. She is uh, Shalyn Rodriguez. She went viral for going nuts on a couple of uh, uh, pro-life students who were handing out pamphlets on campus. Yes. And here's here's yeah. the audio. This is this is violent. You're triggering my students. What? I'm sorry about that. You're, no, you're not. Because you I'm can't sorry. even have a baby. So you don't even know what that is. You don't even know what this is. Get this out of here, Okay, I mean, there's mm, it's so problematic in so many ways. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like a sincere apology for <laughs> just being pro-life from the kid, actually. Hey, I'm really sorry. And she comes back with... You're, no, you're not. I'm, you I'm can't sorry. even have a baby. You can't have a baby? What if he starts identifying as a female? Well, see, right. that's, that was problematic for no, me. Yeah, right is. away, there's a red flags went off. Wait a minute, who are you? <laughs> right. To tell that guy mm-hmm. that he can't have a baby. Well, then yesterday, a New York Post reporter showed up at her apartment... And she held a machete to his neck. Wild, dude. <laughs> here you go. Get the f- away from my door. Huh? Get the f- away from my door. Let's, let's get out of here. You can't do that. And as they're leaving the building, she follows them, holding the machete, saying, I'm going to chop you up. It's crazy, man. So then she has now been fired. Apparently, that, holding a machete to somebody's neck is something that yeah. uh, gets you the boot from Hunter College. Um, uh, yeah, in a statement to the Post following this incident, Hunter College said, uh, we strongly condemn the unacceptable actions of Shalin Rodriguez and have taken immediate action. Rodriguez has been relieved of her duties at Hunter College effective immediately and will not be returning to teach at the school. And she starts at Stanford tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to tell you, it is refreshing to see someone actually get fired for something like this. Because usually you don't. No, they don't. But maybe that is the one thing that crosses the line. Machete to neck will get you fired. Mm-hmm. That's still true. Okay, that's good to know. Maybe if my orcas had a machete in his hand. Nah. <laughs> what are you saying? Well, I'm just saying. That people wouldn't come into the country? What's Maybe he'd get fired. But <laughs> <laughs> he just gets to do whatever he wants. Right. Whenever More people he wants. come in. All right, no problem. No problem. Yeah. Which, by the way, we need people here illegally to do jobs. We can't get anybody in America to be a custodian or to pick crops. We yeah. can't do it. 
Yeah, the governor of New York says she wants to turn the illegal immigration crisis into an opportunity because somebody's got to go clean bathrooms and pick crops. You know, the party of slavery. I mean, rears its ugly head again. Uh, This is Kathy Hochul. Okay. There are over 5,000 farm jobs. 5,000 farm jobs open as we speak. The cows don't wait to be milked. The plants need to be maintained and harvested in a few months. The crops... (laughs) I'm sorry, man. Yeah. You get somebody like her has no idea anything yeah. about farming. Uh, you know the plant, the the, the crops. Mm-hmm. Be more than five thousand food service jobs right now. I'm a former waitress. Doesn't take a lot of skill. I was 15 years old. Well, Those... Neither does governor. Hold on a second. Wow. What about all the marginalized communities we already have in the United States with zero opportunity right. for youth? You keep hearing that, you know. But you're telling me, wait a second, yeah. and you're saying, well, they wouldn't be ready for that job? I'm right. a former waitress. Doesn't take a lot of skill. I was 15 years old. Okay, it doesn't take a lot of skill, but yet we have all these people marginalized with no opportunity. Yeah. But well, what, th- this sort of work is above them? What are we saying? Well, I, I think it also goes against what we've been hearing with the Fight for 15 crowd, right? Right. That, that you know, fast food work is skilled labor. And that's why they need a union. Livable wage. So she's a union-busting Democrat who just wants all these brown people to come on in and take all the jobs away from black people. Boy, it's something, isn't it? Go on, Chokel. Those jobs are available. 4,000 openings for janitors, cleaners, and housekeepers. As I mentioned, the jobs for farm workers as well. Oh, the housekeeper. Yeah. The housekeeper, yes, of course. We need Hispanic women to do those jobs. Right. We can't ask anybody else to do it. When you look at the rhetoric. How racist is that? Well, look, very. Well, it's like, who was it? Was it AOC or somebody else? Uh, there was another Democrat politician who had said, you know, we've got to do something about our declining birth rate in this country, and that's why we need these illegals in here. They all They look at people crossing the border not as somebody really reaching for an American dream. They see them as their housekeepers and human incubators. That's how they, you talk about dehumanizing language. My goodness. And we'll feel good about ourselves because we'll talk ourselves into believing we just have good hearts and wanted to give them an opportunity. Right, exactly. And they're the same people that are screaming about the SNAP, the cut in the SNAP program to to work. Yeah. Like if you're eligible to work, you got to work. Yes, or we can't we do can't, that. No, we can't do that. Ah, By the way, on that, yeah, yeah, th- hate to see some rioting if we start to cut oh, spinning. Oh, gosh, yeah, that's the new one. If you, yeah, wow. if you haven't heard that from the left. Oh, man. We'll get to that. And you, you've heard these stories about Jamie Foxx's health. Mike Tyson said he had a stroke. We'll get to that as well. There's a whole lot going on today. All coming up right here. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Appreciate you being here. Um, did see this at Hot Air. The squad has signaled riots if they don't get their way. The debt ceiling crisis. I, I heard about this. <laughs> Why? I mean, this is a call for violence, isn't it? Some would if say so. If we're to play by the same rules? Well, yes. Oh, they're I saying mean, people will take to the streets. Yeah. yeah. Well, yes. what does that mean? Violence. Well, their voices need to be heard. But how often does that happen? Peacefully from the left. Without some sort of violence. Their voices are the only words that are being heard. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the insanity of all this. 
this is what democracy looks like. That's the chant, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it got Daniel Penny arrested, didn't it? Right. Yeah, well, that's true. They keep doing it because it keeps working mm-hmm. in so many different ways. Now, as far as the whole debt ceiling thing, I don't know if you've watched this play out in media. I I understand there are plenty of people that are concerned because you're talking about retirement funds. You're talking about what's going to happen, you know, with our money. For a whole lot of people in the United States, it's like we've heard this so many times. This is just another go around and it's the back and forth and something's going to get done. The media says, uh, you know, there's been, you know, no progress in these talks with Kevin McCarthy, House Republicans, Joe Biden, blah, blah, blah. But as far as the squad goes, they do not want to go backwards with their spending and with the agenda. And they've made so many gains they can't stop now. That money needs to be spent on their programs. And how dare you say people need to work for food? Yeah. Yeah, I think the the interesting thing that's been pointed out about the whole risk of default if we don't, you know, up our credit limit, essentially, like, that's what it boils down to is that you got to increase the credit limit in order to make financial obligations to what has already been pledged, what has already been effectively spent. Um, And Republicans say we, you know, maybe they we can do that, but uh, we got to rein in some of this future spending in exchange for that, which makes sense. Yes. You know, if you call up MasterCard and you say, hey, give me another $2,000 in credit, uh, and I'm not going to make any future payments until you do, MasterCard's going to take you to court, right? You can't, it doesn't work that way, right? Right. Well, the interesting thing is a default is not actually a foregone conclusion. What would happen is that discretionary spending, that is all your green weenie stuff, that's your port to your individual congressional districts, that would have to get reined in, and that would only happen within the executive branch. So what Biden is saying is, I will not do that. I will not execute my constitutional duties if you don't do what I say. What you talk about hostage-taking, that's what the right. Democrats are doing right now. Republicans passed a spending plan. Yep. No, it's frustrating to watch. Ian McCarthy should just play Inky Dink. See who wins. <laughs> well, I mentioned this real quick, <clears throat> just from the entertainment world. Uh, Jamie Foxx, you heard about, you know, he was in the hospital. Well, nobody knows why, though. That was the whole thing. Yeah. Just a recent health issue. Mm-hmm. Mike Tyson was doing a podcast interview, talked about it, said, yeah, he's not feeling well. They said a stroke. Oh, my. Mike Tyson just said it. Now, he didn't say who told him that. He didn't sound 100% sure because then he said, I have no idea what happened to him. Hmm. They said a stroke. Uh, Who was they? And he said, if we don't know about it by now, they don't want us to know. No. Which is absolutely true. Yeah. Yes. I'm surprised they've suppressed it this long without somebody at the hospital leaking to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Think about it. Better as far as leaks go. Than the government. Oh, yeah. Just the people around Jamie Foxx, for crying out loud. Okay, I want to just ask you a quick question, because now this has become just a part of everyday speech. It was a Mike Tyson quote from a long time ago, and I've heard it quoted more in the last five to ten years that I can remember than the first five or ten years the quote even existed. Do you know what I'm talking about? Punched in the face quote? Yes. Okay. How does it go? I'm trying to remember now. I want to make sure I get the verbiage correctly. Uh, everybody's got a every, everybody's got a great idea or right until they get punched in the face. 
Game plan. Game plan. Yeah. That's what it is. Everybody's got a game plan to get punched in the face. Isn't that the truth? Uh, yeah. yeah got to have is. a plan, whatever. But you got to be ready for adversity. Yeah. Everybody's got one until you get punched in the face. Yeah. But as far as the boxing, yeah, you get one right there. All of a sudden, <laughs> yeah, what's your plan now? Right. Yeah. Especially against him in his heyday. Yeah, that's something. One other thing on quotes real quick. Did you see uh, the thing they came out with, the greatest movie quotes of all time? No. They will do this every once in a while. Did you see it, David? I have not seen it, no. Oh, really? Well, let's see. How about three guesses each and see if either one of you get any in the top ten? Okay. If you're thinking the greatest movie quotes yeah. of all time. All time. You're starting one and working your way down? I'm just going okay, to say, random. Okay. Uh, well, random, we don't have to do an official game. I mean, okay. it's early in the show unless you want to do an official game. That's up to you. Uh, listen, I don't want to pressure anybody. Well, my money's okay. on David. Well, and I'm not here to embarrass you, Scott. That's all right. I'm... You may not either one get anything in here. So if you want to just start guessing, yeah. I mean, that is fine. Okay. Okay. Or we can, you know, we can keep score and call it a game. All right, the champ. Van Camp, you go first. I'm ready to guess. Quote of all time. Gone with the wind. What is it? Oh, Frankly, God. my dear, I I don't give a damn or something like that. that that's actually that is spot one. on. That's number one. That's a that's ten a pointer. Say, yeah. Even when he's just goofing, he's a winner. <laughs> yeah. What do you got, Scott? You can't handle the truth. I thought for sure that would be in the top ten. <laughs> of course, it isn't. It's not. It's in the top. I forget fifty, maybe. Yeah. I forget exactly what place, but it didn't make the top ten. So sorry about that. Wrong! David. Um, Toto, we're not in Kansas anymore from Wizard of Oz. That's number four. You've basically already won. You only get three guesses. Okay. Dang. Uh, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Oh, yeah. That was number two from The Godfather. Yeah. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender on the waterfront. That was third. Then here's looking at you, kid, from Casablanca mm -hmm. was fifth. Go ahead, make my day. Was sixth from Clint Eastwood. Um, Where's Cut Me, Mick? May the Force be with you. That was number eight. Oh, you got to like yeah. that. All right, we got to get to a news update next. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, so DeSantis is announcing today. Everybody seems to have a take on that. Mm hmm. I think it's going to be interesting to see the back and forth with he and Elon Musk. What are they going to talk about? Yeah, it will be very, very intriguing. And then DeSantis is supposed to be on Fox tonight. Yeah. In the old Tucker time slot that is struggling, and yeah. that's being nice. I think Trey Gowdy Oof. is filling in this week, uh, former yes. congressman. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think probably more people will consume it on Twitter spaces and then whatever else sort of matriculates out into other media sources using the content from the Twitter spaces thing. So, yes. Yeah. Have you seen this big push for Kaylee McEnany getting that gig? No. I've been reading about it everywhere. It's like people are thinking that would be the, the key to success. I'm like, really? Her numbers weren't very good. No. When she filled in. And, you know, she's still learning the ropes here, man. There is a huge backlash on Fox right now. Oh, gosh, yeah. And it honestly goes deeper than I had known until I read something yesterday. But we'll get to that a little bit later. As far as DeSantis today, what is the pro-Trump political action committee saying? Yeah, uh, MAGA Inc., this is the Trump-aligned super PAC, put out a statement about this saying that it is uh, one of the most out-of-touch campaign launches in modern history. <laughs> 
The only thing less relatable than a niche campaign launch on Twitter is DeSantis' after party at the Uber Elite Four Seasons Resort in Miami. And I'm, listen, I know that, you know, Trump is not supposed to be coordinating with these super PACs. Go after DeSantis all you want. You should. You know, you're you're running for president. You're both running for the same position. Mm -hmm. That's how this works. I understand that. But, man, you talk about out of touch. I'm... Donald Trump, in large part, was able to win the presidency because of Twitter. I mean, oh, he, yeah. he leveraged his Twitter account into this, like, must-follow thing. He was on Twitter all the time. Yes. Don't talk. Please be quiet. And so, like, then to say, <laughs> well, why would he go to Twitter? I, <laughs> and then, oh, he's going to go to some Four Seasons Resort in Miami to do that, to uh, meet with donors? Bro. Trump yes. literally lives at Mar-a-Lago. Okay, I, I'm sorry that it just it sounds stupid and tone deaf. Well, okay, answer me this because I'm not quite sure the answer. I don't know if any of us are really sure. As far as the strategy, you know that the Trump campaign and his surrogates they're going to fire at everything DeSantis does. Right? Oh, sure, yeah. Okay, some people would have the strategy of, hey, we're going to take the shots when it's really necessary and we're really going to say something about what this campaign did in other words you can't just criticize every single thing or then people lose interest and mm -hmm. one criticism runs into the next and it just doesn't work or does it work when you're firing that many bullets you're going to get a hit now and again <laughs> what is what is the old joke accuracy through volume Yes. Machine gunners in the military. Yeah, yes. it's not about aiming. It's about you right. put enough ordnance down range, you're bound to hit something. Right, because yeah. some of the criticisms have been really ticky-tack. Others, you know, have some merit. And I wonder about the strategy. Like, if you're complaining about everything and taking shots at everything, does it fall on deaf ears at some point? I don't know. But the takeaway opinion I've had, you know, for the last, I don't know, a week or so, is certainly when it comes to DeSantis, because I watched how the Today Show was framing it, and then Good Morning America, and then Fox and Friends, just to see how they were going to roll this thing out, right? And everybody has a take, and you're reading all of this stuff today. All it's going to matter are the undecided voters. <laughs> that's, that's the, people already have their minds made up in the media. They already have their takes. What it will come down to the people that are, you know, I'd vote for Trump if he's the nominee, but I'm not sure I want to go down this road again. But I don't know that much about DeSantis because I think sometimes we can get into a bubble, too, because we follow this every day. Most people don't. There are a lot of people that don't know that much about DeSantis. What's it going to be like four months from now? Yeah. How many mistakes will DeSantis make? Will he actually gain traction with people that are like, hey, man, I love what Trump did, but we got to turn the page here. We're going to lose again. I think that's what's going to decide it more than some goof nut at Politico or anywhere else. Yeah. Fox News, what it doesn't matter what the take is, because no one predicted it right with Trump either. And really, no one ever thought Joe Biden was going to get the nomination, let alone win. Hey, Mike Pence lurks in the shadows. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's not going to happen. Yeah, that, yeah. No Mike way. Pence could streak down Broadway naked, and <laughs> no one would cover it. Yeah, but it would also be like the most polite streaking of all time. 
He'd probably fast walk. <laughs> and, and, and he'd cover himself. <laughs> he'd be able to do that. He'd be the George Costanza bodysuit guy. <laughs> right. A little bit bashful here. <laughs> bodysuit guy. But the one thing I don't want to have happen, at least for us on the show, is like the hot takes, like be subdued. I, want, I still want the hot takes. Yeah. We just have to bet on those takes like we've always done and then keep track. Yeah. There was only one person on the show that predicted Biden would win the nomination for the Democrats. Mm -hmm. And I don't it doesn't matter which one it was. You know who it was. Because <laughs> no one likes Prager. <laughs> okay. Identify no one needs to remember all of that stuff. Jamie petting himself on the back. Right there. I wasn't gonna say it. Okay. <laughs> you didn't have to. You lost three different bets, Scott, but that's okay. And people are begging me not to back DeSantis. <laughs> <laughs> they are. I, I got like two right. two notes on this. Like, hey, please, whatever you do, Scott, we like Ron. What I need you to do right now mm -hmm. is to not endorse Trump or DeSantis. <laughs> you need to go all in on Asa Hutchinson, okay? <laughs> the former Arkansas governor who for some reason is running for president as well. Backwards or forwards, but it yep. stays the same. So, <laughs> yes. You're the palindrome guy. Yeah, yeah. Boat palindrome. Joke that is. All right. That time of the show, going around the room. May not be the biggest story out there today, but it caught your attention. Today, David, what's your story? Oh, man, we ran out of time before we could get to this one yesterday. Uber has suspended the head of diversity, equity, and inclusion after daring to do workplace events that were inclusive of white women. What? Bo Young Lee is her name. She did two events called Don't Call Me Karen. Uh, and they were billed as diving into the spectrum of the American white woman's experience from some of our female colleagues, particularly how they navigate around the so-called Karen persona. Okay. And so it's like, hey, by the way, you know, there are some women who feel like, well, I don't want to even make a complaint because somebody's going to call me Karen. Somebody, you know, you're walking on eggshells all the time. Yes. And, and so then apparently some employees whined about it. Uh, an internal Slack channel that's just for black and Hispanic Uber employees. Workers <laughs> said, we feel like we were being lectured to. Well, that's what DEI is. What do you think? I mean, exactly. if nothing else, this proves the point of the whole, like, don't call me Karen lecture series, because that's why you have a lot of white women who are liberal who are afraid to say anything because right. they're afraid of being labeled a a racist, a Karen, whatever. That is hilarious. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was all fine and good until we get lectured about something. <laughs> yeah, right. What? That's hilarious. Hey, where are the white women at? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help myself. <laughs> All right, Scott, what's your story today? Uh, campus reform, a reporter named Sheila Mehta took to the streets of George Mason University and asked students what they thought of this emerging movement to change the spelling of the word women. University of Texas at Austin, the university's Office of Financial and Administrative Services, recommended students change their spelling from women to W-I-M-M-I-N. The glossary explained that the word was often employed by feminists and others to avoid using the word ending in men. <laughs> so it's from now on, W-I-M-M-I-N. Women. Got it. No one will know how to spell it. Okay. For my story today, uh, this is about the search for non-binary birds. 
It sounds like I'm making it up. I know it does. Non-binary birds opening up the new Lilith Fair. <laughs> yes. It's an acoustic duo. <laughs> uh, I happen to see this in the Wall Street Journal. The title, Wokesters in Search of Non-Binary Birds. And I, I see it. I'm like, is this some sort of joke? Is this for real? And, oh, yes, it is absolutely very real. And they're talking about Scientific American. And the editor-in-chief of that publication, Laura Helmuth, who tweeted, well, white-throated sparrows have four chromosomally distinct sexes that pair up in fascinating ways. P.S. Nature is amazing. P.P.S. Sex is not binary. Well, she taught somebody something, huh? Well, but, but like one lays the eggs and the other is responsible for fertilizing said eggs. Hey! That's true. So that would be actually a binary. Hey, quit mansplaining science. Okay. She had her truth. With the white-throated sparrow? Well, there were other Twitter users that weren't all that impressed, apparently. And now there is that attachment from Twitter that says, hey, <laughs> that that was kind of nonsense, what, what they said there. It says uh, readers added context that they thought people might want to know. White-throated sparrows have two sexes with four unique chromosome combinations. There are still just two sexes that produce either sperm or eggs. The female types are the white-striped females and the tan-striped females. The male birds are white-striped males and tan-striped males. Yeah. They're competing with other women birds in the birdbath swimming. <laughs> I just wonder, like, what, at what state of brain decay are you where you're trying to justify mass psychosis when it comes to the gender ideology stuff by looking to the white-throated sparrow for justification? It's incredible. <laughs> so they quoted this dude from Yale, a professor of social and natural science, Nicholas Christakis. Also a doctor said, it's just incredible how far scientific American... Uh, you know, that I admired has fallen from its mission to provide accurate, clear, and vivid coverage of science. What has happened? So, yeah. Uh, so the search for non-binary birds uh, continues from the left to justify trans ideology. Okay. Boy, a lot more to get to. Uh, Target has confirmed that moving some of their Pride Month stock, uh, they're doing that to the back. They're getting hurt right now. Oh, yeah. As far as the money they're making. We'll get to that and much more coming up. Yeah. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Anybody else get the feeling it's all coming to a head with the trans ideology stuff or the public yeah, had enough? I, I, think, I, I think you're right. I, I don't think it's a matter of morally standing one way or another. I think I think most people agree that children leave the kids alone. Well, you adults do whatever the hell you well, want. I, but stop it with the whole nonsense of jamming it down everybody's throat. You're not a marginalized yeah. community. You're not. It's, it goes to another level, though, even morally. When you're talking about the L.A. Dodgers well, and the sisters of whatever indulgence yeah. you know, who mock Christ and Catholics and people don't like that, man. No. no. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
and the Dodgers are apologizing to the freaks? Yes. Well, they apologized to the other people first. And then they went back Then they on went it. back because the freaks started doing stompy foot, and uh, that's what happens. And did you know it's not just, well, you're invited to come. They're awarded on the field. They well, get an award. They get a plaque. Yeah. And, well, yeah, people have had enough. And it's because Major League Baseball hates you. The, absolutely. You can tell by what they do. Now, is that all of baseball, or is that just the Dodgers? It's just the Dodgers thus far. Anyway. Well, there are other teams that do, like, raise money for organizations that connect so-called trans kids to resources like puberty blockers and whatnot. One you know, of the Tigers true. that did that. Yeah, you almost got to – whoever your favorite team is, you got to look and say, okay, what are they supporting? Yeah. So it brings me – and I mentioned this, and I saw this, well, a number of different places talking about the backlash against Target is working. Mm-hmm. With all of the trans clothing yeah. and then targeting kids. Yeah. yeah. And when I was reading this one piece out of Hot Air, it was the piece about the Target CEO saying, yeah, they're going all in on the trans ideology and it was good for business. And it was David Strom saying, yeah, he seemed to be bragging and implicitly insulting customers who were offended by their partnering with a for real Satanist That's true. to market trans ideology. Yep. Yeah. It's Eric yeah. Carnell is is actually considers himself to be demonic, and he praises yeah. Satan. And I mean, he made uh, stickers that says like Satan respects pronouns. And I mean, yeah, I'd rather hang with Satan, much cooler, or something like that. You know, yeah. This is a guy who designed who designed a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And so as I go on and reading in the piece. I'm like, oh, my gosh, no wonder so many people are like, no, I'm just not going to shop there anymore. And so I wrote part like, what, you couldn't figure out this was not going to sell in Peoria? <laughs> really? Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. Well, of course not. No, you got you got to gut these marketing departments of a lot of these businesses because they're run by the wokesters. Okay. <laughs> so when you hire the people for marketing, like the heads of Target, don't you understand what you're getting? Or is that to improve your DEI score of who you hire well, think, as far as diversity crap? I think it's a lot of recent college grad grads, yeah. mainly young liberal women, who have this mission because all their friends on Instagram talk about being inclusive, blah, 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 all this stuff. And if there is any sort of – I'm convinced this is what really happened with the L.A. Dodgers as well. Is that is. there's some young, dumb, liberal marketing person who has a degree in how to post on Twitter who saw backlash from fellow wokesters on Twitter and thought it was representative of real life. Again, I would love, I know they won't do this, but I would love for every player on the L.A. Dodgers to be asked how they feel about this freak show drag club that's going to be honored at the field, on the field. I would love to get their honest Clayton reaction. Clayton Kershaw's a Christian. Dave Roberts, the manager, mm-hmm. said Christ is number one in his life. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to see how they would answer that. And you know what? On what you're saying, David, how it would make no sense in a business, think about the failing New York Times in 2020 when all of the young reporters basically took that paper hostage yeah. and all the people that were older were getting fired and yeah. pushed out. Because of the fear, and it seems like it's happening at these corporations. Gee, it's really working well. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? 
Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, so Ron DeSantis is going to make it official today. He's running for president. Trump is going to go after him. We already know that he has been for a while. It's the biggest threat to Trump on the Republican side. Yeah. What is he saying, David? On Truth Social, he uh, posted, look, Rob the Sanctimonious came to me asking for help. He was losing badly by 31 points to popular Agriculture Commissioner Adam Putnam, going back to the 2018 Republican gubernatorial primary, by the way. Uh, he was getting ready to drop out of the race. Ran a terrible campaign. Ron told me he had one last chance. My support and endorsement, which Putnam and everyone else wanted also. I gave it to Ron and the race was over. In one day, he went from losing badly to winning it by a lot. Or winning by a lot. With three large Trump rallies, he won the general election in an upset. Disloyal. Three exclamation points. So there's there's some truth to the, the idea that the, the Trump endorsement did help in the yeah. Republican primary, mm-hmm. but I don't, I, I couldn't find anything where he was down 31 points to Adam Putnam. And before the Trump uh, announcement, most polling had about 50% of, of GOP primary voters undecided. So it was a very wide open race in the primary. I think in the general election, yeah, I mean, Trump helped push him over the edge over Andrew Gillum. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. But, yes. you know, there's sort of like a kernel of truth and some hyperbole in, in what Trump is saying there. He called him Rob Sanctimonious. Rob DeSantis. Yeah. They're, they're trying to workshop all these nicknames for him. Yeah. Rob DeSantis is one because uh, he wants to. I think it's because they're saying he wants to rob you of your Social Security. Maybe. I, I think that was the play. Not very good. Mm-hmm. So far, I don't know if any of the Trump punches have landed. Yeah. Some will, I think. I mean, I would count on that. Yeah, well, once they get out on the campaign trail and yes. you have some debates and things like that, yeah. Because I think there is something to, okay, every once in a while you can see DeSantis be a little awkward. I'm not talking about some of the examples we've seen recently, but I think you've seen video of him over time where he might be a little uncomfortable. Trump's doing a rally. He mocks it. That could be funny. You know, that sort of thing. We'll see where it all goes. But if you take a step back with DeSantis, what is there to like? Well, basically, the way he's run his state. More than anything else. Oh, yeah. I mean, the people there seem to love him. I've seen all of these different critics say, well, you know, he's going to have to have a whole lot more than Trump is not electable. He's going to have to have more than that. And I'm always thinking to myself, he's talked about the way he's run his state. That's sort of what he's going to run on. Yeah, it's I, not so much the message that Trump's not electable. I don't. It's like this straw man that gets put out there. Yeah. Well, he did make a speech saying that uh, we could no longer accept losing. Yes. You know. We well, just, that is we true. Just keep making these candidates propping these guys up and they lose. Can't have that anymore. No. I, that was a subtle shot at Trump. Yes. Well, I mean, and I don't know how nasty it's going to get. Oh, it'll. I think it'll get really nasty. Well, I mean, you go back to after 2020. When Trump lost. And then there was the runoff in Georgia. 
And, man, there were a whole lot of people that support Trump right now that were so ticked off at him at that time Mm -hmm. because they felt like he was whining. And it was like, well, I'm going to take my toys and go home. And I don't really care that much. You don't even need to go vote in Georgia. It's rigged. And if the Republicans had won that race, so many of the changes we've seen across the country would not have happened. Mm -hmm. And there are people that don't forget that. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting the way the whole thing comes out. The one thing, though, uh, poor Ron DeSantis, I shouldn't say poor, because he's racist. He doesn't want black people to even visit the state anymore. I don't know if you knew that. Well, they're in danger. They are in danger. (laughs) There's no doubt about it. It And I know it's for fact because it was covered by CBS. Yeah. And Gail King. I don't know if you heard this. Gail, I heard this. Oh, hang on, man. This is fantastic. Roll it out. The NAACP has issued a travel advisory for Florida. It says the state is, quote, openly hostile toward African-Americans, people of color, and LGBTQ plus individuals due to a series of measures recently signed by Governor Ron DeSantis. Now, they are... (laughs) Dude, am I the only one? That's thinking, you're the NAACP. If you want to be taken seriously, you can't go down this road. No one's taking that seriously. No. You had the audio yesterday, David, of the person saying, well, I just got back from vacation there, but if I were black, I wouldn't go. Right. And that was a black person. That was a black lesbian, yes, who says it's not safe. I, I don't want anything to do with the state, even though I just <laughs> I just vacationed there with my family yeah. a month ago. Yeah, that's really something, man. Okay, so part of that CBS report, roll it. In Florida, critics sense hostility from Governor Ron DeSantis and his conservative crackdown in the state. The NAACP's new message, beware of traveling to Florida. Why do you believe that Florida is so hostile to black Americans? Well, it's been demonstrated by the governor's action and the policies that have been advanced. And so we want to make sure the rest of America understand the hostility in which he is governing. Okay, what are we talking about, David? I I don't know. Is that the CRT argument? I I guess, but that's not... You know, you're you're seeing more and more black people when when asked about the particulars of the CRT associated curriculum in schools, they say, "Well, I don't identify with that at all." Right. And it, if it's so dangerous for black people, then why is it that Florida has the second highest black population in America behind hey, Texas? Hey, stop with your facts. We're talking about feelings <laughs> right now, and they feel, including Gail King, like People are in danger, especially her own family. Well, I keep thinking about the black people that live there. I actually have two sisters that live yeah. in Florida. What this what this means for people who live there or people of color who are planning to go to Florida? What I does, don't know. It's very I, I, unsettling I, to me I, on many I, levels. Yeah. What does what mean? What, what, yeah, exactly. What is unsettling? What what is unsettling? They don't they don't want uh, black kids to learn anything about black history is what they're saying. But that's not true. I know. No, it's not. Of course, but it's they not. lie. It's all propaganda. It's insanity. <laughs> I've, got, I I've noticed. I noticed the book banning has, has all of a sudden got new life breathed into it as well. Now, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, because you don't want a book in middle school with a boy giving another boy oral sex with pictures. They're trying to ban books. Don't just keep your crazy, sick books out of the school. That's it. It's hateful to people. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This narrative came out of nowhere. That was created. Of course it is. I mean, it's just it's so bizarre. Bring the receipts. What are you talking about? You got nothing. Yeah. Oh, 
yeah, they the the latest thing is uh, what's her name? Amanda Gorman. The yeah, Amanda Gorman, young woman yes. who who told a poem at at Biden's inauguration. There was one school, an elementary school, uh, that a parent complained about her book being in the elementary school library. It got moved to a different shelf. That's it. Had yeah, some more it, middle schools. It got moved right, to the middle, middle school because yeah. It, and this is apparently Amanda Gorman has written this like uh, written a poem about it, all book banning and all that stuff. I thought a book banning that's moving one book from one section to another. It was like a gut punch. They tore at my soul and all this. I couldn't sleep at night. Hyperbole and <laughs> jack wagon <laughs> lingo. Yeah, but wow. yeah, I mean, again, if 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 it's if it's detrimental to go there, if you are in fact a person of color, then let's see the receipts. How re- back that up with some evidence. It's just a feeling I get. Right. There is no evidence. I know. By the way, speaking of vacations, I saw this piece, uh, Wall Street Journal, saying the $6,000 vacation isn't worth it right now. I guess prices are up all over the place. Yeah. Places to stay, flights, everything else. So people are looking at scaling it down, smaller places to go, mm-hmm. You know, keeping the cost down, stuff like that. I got to just pass this along. I thought this was great advice. Talking to a friend of mine. Um who actually counsels people. And we we're talking about the dynamics of a vacation when your kids get older. Mm-hmm. You know, if you got, you know, one, you know, maybe out of college, one in college, you know, okay, people want to do this family vacation. Now, for a lot of us, you know, as a Gen X or you as a boomer, once you were, I don't know what age, the family vacation was over. Oh, yeah. Once you were past 16, that's yeah. not happening anymore. Yeah. But it has more and more. But then you're trying to find everybody's individual interest what they might want to do and everyone has different ideas and having tried to plan a couple of these it's a freaking nightmare yeah yeah they're like why are we doing this right because you're trying to make sure that everyone has a good time and you're here and griping and moaning you're like this is stupid (laughs) why isn't it just me and the missus going somewhere yeah right Uh, and so i'm talking to this dude and he's like okay two things one here's here's your two choices as far as i see it you and the wife decide, this is where we're going to go. If you guys want to go, great. This is what we're doing. Um, if not, no big deal. Kind of your choice, which I like. Or said, take a couple of your kids that are a little bit older and say, okay, you plan the vacation, something that everyone would like to do. Okay, a place that everyone would have fun at. But just know, since we are pretty much funding it, we have the right to say, yeah, that's not something we want to do. <laughs> you got veto power. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that idea. I think it'll be really interesting. I'm going to try to test that out. Yeah, the man who pays gets to say. Well, you yeah. get a bigger say, I would well, say. Well, I would think so. If it's it's your... not fair. Well, this isn't current-day American politics. This is our family. <laughs> well, we don't when play you, that game. When you bankroll the vacation, right. I'll, I'll go ahead and go along with it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? We're marginalized because we never got to go on a yacht. <laughs> no, we're not doing it. Are you crazy? We're not doing that. Uh, this was interesting, David. Sixty percent of Americans agree with Republicans on the debt ceiling. Yeah, sixty percent. Huh? We have some signs of common sense happening. There's this big fight over the debt ceiling, which is more or less our nation's credit limit. Uh, Republicans in the House have passed a spending plan to deal with it, which does include, honestly, fairly modest cuts to federal spending. But Democrats don't want to negotiate. They say we just want to raise the debt limit and not cut any spending. 
Well, a CNN poll found that 60% of Americans say that any increase to the debt limit should come with spending cuts. This is on CNN. Uh, majority wow. support for raising the debt ceiling uh, somewhat cuts across party lines. Most independents say the limit should only be raised if spending cuts are enacted at the same time, 58%. And Democrats, only 46% agree with just raising the debt ceiling no matter what. Wow. Well, that's out of step with the squad. Yeah. I have a clip of that to get to in the next 10 minutes. One other thing, uh, probably a message more for Robbins, and this might be for you too. Netflix did begin the crackdown on password sharing. So, you know. Well, why would that matter to me? I, I think you've used others before. I have, I have not. Not in a long, long time. <laughs> I pay for my Netflix, sir. Okay, all right. But sometimes you also give out your passwords and stuff. I'm just saying that from here on out, anyone using your account, they better be living with you. Boy, or they tag you know another. you're fraudulent one time. That's $7.99 for anyone living outside your home to use your account. Yeah. So I guess it's premium subscribers add up to two non-household members. Standard plan subscribers can only add one. But they started this. And if you think the outrage is going to have them change their minds, they've done this in other countries, and they've actually seen an increase in paid memberships. So they're not going to back off from that. Interesting. Uh, The governor of Los Angeles said something really stupid. We're going to enjoy that, and we'll hear from the squad, which is always delightful. Coming up. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Dead ceiling. Ah! Got to have to be a compromise, you know. Whoa, hold on. Maybe not so fast. The squad, far left progressive, say, uh-uh. Mm-mm. No, we've come this far with the spending. We got a lot of what we want. We can't go back now. So you'll hear from uh, Jayapal. What's her first name? How you say it? Pramila. Pramila. And then, of course, AOC. Ain't no going back. I think there would be a huge backlash from our entire uh, House Democratic, you know, caucus, caucus, certainly the progressives, but also in the streets. You know, I mean, I think that this is, it's important that we don't take steps back from the very strong agenda that the president himself shepherded and led over the last two years. Huh. The streets, you say? Mm-hmm. Is that a threat? Hmm. But if the president agrees to spending caps, or if he agrees to work requirements on certain social safety it's programs, it's going to be a problem. We do not legislate through the debt ceiling for this very reason. Oh, we don't legislate for this very reason. But you're, you are doing that though. I was just going to say, what? I mean, that... you have to because <clears throat> we can't pay. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, to me. To me, I want to just reiterate this. To me, the basic financial obligations that we have to to spend on, there is no risk of default. The default only happens if Joe Biden refuses to make discretionary spending cuts, which would include a lot of the green weenie stuff, a lot of mm-hmm. the, you know, all all the uh, different research grants to study transgender potbelly pigs in Afghanistan or whatever. <laughs> There's always that nutty stuff yeah, in there. You know, it, that's that's what he would have to cut. And if he's refusing to do that, then he is failing at his basic constitutional job. Yeah. But he would say he would take no blame for it. Yeah. Of course. Okay, what did Gavin Newsom say? Governor of California. Gavin Newsom says that uh, Target 
is participating in a systematic attack on the LGBTQIA2 spirit plus keyboard mash community. Uh, They're bending the knee. Yeah. What are you talking about? So there's this whole dust up with Target and their Target Pride line, which includes tuck swimwear that appears to be for uh, young children. Uh, yes. Among other things, you got onesies and whatnot with the pride rainbow and all that, all that stuff. And so, some stores, because of customer backlash, are moving that to a less prominent position within the store. Uh, so now you've got Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, saying, "This isn't just a couple of stores of the South. This is a systematic attack on the gay community happening across the country. Wake up, America. It doesn't stop here. You're black. You're Asian. You're Jewish. You're a woman. You're next. What's a woman? Governor Newsom. Anyway. Idiot. Wow. You're a bad guy. So The pandering from that clown. All the time. Well, I'm I'm sorry, but, but saying, okay, we're not going to prominently display tuck swimsuits in the front of a store is not saying you don't have a right to exist. You know what I would do if I owned this company? I would buy up any place you could in the little shopping plazas. I'm talking about untuck it, the shirts. From <laughs> yeah. Buy one and put it right yeah. next to every target yeah. as an alternative. And have a, uh, have a cardboard cutout of... This is yeah. the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. All right, David, biggest story of the day? Uh, biggest story of the day uh, probably is the reaction to Governor Ron DeSantis planning on announcing that he is running for president. Uh, that'll happen at 6 o'clock Eastern on Twitter with Twitter owner Elon Musk. And there's been a lot of obvious reaction. I mean, you've had media out there uh, calling him, you know, to Satan saying, well, this doesn't make any sense to go on Twitter you know, this platform that we hold so near and dear to our hearts. I don't get it. They're obsessed with Twitter, but don't understand why he would go on Twitter. Okay? It's. Cr- I used to think it was all Trump derangement syndrome. It's common sense derangement syndrome yeah. on some level. All right. And the deceptive edits from ABC. You got to hear this. David's got it. Next. All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, the Gen Xer, David Van Camp, the Millennial, the Sexy Boomer, Scott Robbins. So, little deception on ABC this morning, David. Yeah, ABC's John Carl. See, he's one of the ones in the media who desperately needs Trump to be and and maintain his front runner status and to be the Republican nominee because without Trump, he's nothing. There's a lot of truth to that. I man. mean, they they have spent so many years obsessing over Trump's every move, every tweet, every comment every mm-hmm. hand gesture, that they just can't, they don't know how to deal with somebody else potentially coming in. And I'm not saying that Ron DeSantis will, but it, there's a chance at least that he would. And they just won't abide by that. Uh, he's really reaching for criticism of Ron DeSantis ahead of Ron's presidential announcement. This was on Good Morning America today. Roll it. How you doing? Good. What's, What's your name? I'm Tim Anderson. Okay. How are you? I'm wonderful. Great to be up in New Hampshire. How are you? How are you guys doing? Good to see you. Stay tuned, man. What's the deal? So that's the actual clip of, of Ron DeSantis yeah. uh, greeting people in New Hampshire. But John Carl was like, oh, my gosh, he just said, okay, after a guy introduced himself to okay, paint this let's... picture that he's really, you know awkward or something 
All right, let's hear John Carl. Although DeSantis has already appeared like a candidate for some time, making trips to Iowa and New Hampshire. Thank wow. You. Crowded, huh? Trying the kind of person-to-person campaigning he is not known for. What's your name? I'm Tim Anthony. Okay. How are you? I'm wonderful. He's also made a foreign trip where he oh. awkwardly avoided questions about running for hey. president. So, so you just cut it off before he clearly turns around and starts talking to somebody else. Yeah. Make it seem like his, well, my, all he said was okay after a guy introduced himself and then he moved on. <laughs> These people are the worst. They're man. reaching. Yes, very much so. I mean, there are a lot of people that will make the argument, and I think there's absolutely something to it. It's not just Trump that's afraid of Ron DeSantis. The left is really afraid of him. Because they know it would not even be close between DeSantis and Biden. Once he's out there, it gets his message across. Well, what is a proper conversation to have with someone? Well, in a crowded restaurant when you're... Right, exactly. When you're... What's he supposed to do? Meeting people from the Chamber of Commerce, from And and you've got a bunch of people to meet, and they're all lined up ready to meet you. I don't know. I don't know what he's... Word to your mother? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (sighs) I don't know, man. You know, I think tomorrow on the show, some of the reactions we'll be playing back will be hilarious, at least in some sort of way. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Once he actually announces, does the thing with Elon Musk, he'll be on Fox with Trey Gowdy and Tucker's old slot. There will be enough reaction from all of that that will be comical from all sides, I would guess. Um what is the Trump news about a trial date, David? Oh, well, see, this is not going to stop. This is the left is going to try everything it can to, uh, again, both lift up Donald Trump in a primary and then destroy him in a general. That's the goal of all of this stuff, because it does make you sympathetic when you realize, oh, my gosh, the judge in uh, Manhattan has set his court date, the trial date for March 25th. Of oh, next yeah, year. I heard that. Yeah. Come on, man. That's like, okay, so by that point, generally speaking, unless it's very close, we will probably have a pretty good picture of who the nominee is going to be. You would think so. At the end of March is oh, yeah. somewhere around there. Yeah. So they're going to go. I guarantee you, if, if Donald Trump either drops out or uh, is, is behind so much that he won't win or whatever, they're going to find a reason to not go through with the trial. Yeah, and I can't see Trump dropping out. I I can't see it. Mm -hmm. I mean, if he, let's say, and I know it's not as far as Vegas odds, stuff like that, in DeSantis' favor. But let's say for the sake of this argument, DeSantis is really close to wrapping it up Mm -hmm. and winning the nomination. Trump will still run. I can't see him folding. You get what I mean? You mean like do a third-party run? Yes. Well, the problem is that would be actually pretty impossible for him to when, even come when close to When do you winning. have to declare that? There are sore loser laws that a lot okay. of states have where if you are running in a primary, that you are showing up on a ballot in a primary mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, anyway, you can't just take your ball and go home. He could always do the Kanye write-in. Yeah, but he, he, can't, <laughs> he can't win that way. He literally can't win that way. He wouldn't be able to show up on enough uh ballots and states that would only be uh that would only serve to re-elect joe biden hmm. 
there's no way he can do a third-party run successfully. When would be the cutoff for that? In some states, I believe, and it's, it gets so mishmashed because every state uh, uh, manages its own elections, but in some states, if you are on the ballot in the primary, you're, you, you've declared you're running as Got a it. Republican or a Democrat, so we're not going to let you on the ballot as an independent or whatever. Do you remember how controversial it was during that first debate in 2015? Yeah. And the GOP wanted everybody to make the vow they wouldn't go third party. Oh, yeah. And Trump was the only one that said, nope, not yeah. going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible. Yeah. I mean, he did, man. Like, took control of that thing in a heartbeat. And it really, the Republican Party has not been the same since. No. And that's a good thing. It's an absolute good thing. Totally agree. All right. Other news out there. Speaking of the GOP, you know, you've heard a lot of different Republicans talking about how we have to stand up for women, especially when it comes to women's spaces, sports, with all of the trans activism out there and biological males dominating now women's sports, and it has to stop. But you need to recognize something about that. All it is is transphobia disguised as feminism. Oh, for and for that, who's spouting this nonsense? Joy Reid. Oh, of course. You're one of your favorites of all time. Yeah, the most biggest racist in America. Do you want to hear the take? Yeah. Tell me when to stop. Okay. Okay. Roll it. As a women's rights issue, bathroom bills are touted as protecting women's privacy and ensuring women are safe from the fake danger of trans women in public bathrooms. Fake danger. Fake danger. Wait a minute. Huh, it hasn't been fake danger in a lot of places, no. Joy. Okay. Banning drag shows is about protecting decency and decorum, especially when children are around. The bills banning trans youth from playing sports are sold under the guise of saving women's athletics from unfair physical competition. It's about fairness, they say. It Let's is. unpack this rhetoric for a bit, shall we? She's going to unpack it for you, Scott. Oh, God. Are you ready to do no, the work? I'm not. <laughs> and listen and learn. No. <laughs> the Republicans who push anti-trans legislation love to pretend women's rights are a priority for them. They're not. They're simply dressing up transphobia as feminism. If women's privacy, safety, and dignity were a priority for Republicans, why are these same Republicans in these same states obstructing life-saving abortion care? Okay, mark that one. Life-saving abortion care. Words you never thought you would hear put together. Are right there for you. <laughs> this has been the dumbest person in America. <laughs> brought to you by... Forcing their ways into sensitive patient-physician relationships and criminalizing bathroom access based on how both trans and cis women look. You have Texas Republicans howling over fairness in women's sports, yet its anti-abortion laws are so dangerous for women, 15 plaintiffs are suing the state. <sighs> saying its abortion bans physically harmed them. Okay, now I just have to ask the question. If you had to go with a percentage of people that even watch that network, how many believe that? That just watch the network or don't? That just watch the network. Oh, they believe it. They, oh, oh, my they all do. Yeah. Like critical thoughts against That's the law? That's why she still has a, a job. Well, it's not ratings. I mean, and I don't even know if she believes half this stuff she says. I can't believe she would think that. Well, someone's writing that for her. Well, I'm, that's what I mean. I mean, it, you're just, just playing the part. Yeah, yeah, it's a role. You can't believe that. I'm just glad that there are so many women 
that are coming together to fight the whole thing. Well, you know, yeah. To protect, you know, the women's sports, the women's spaces, all that stuff. To say, okay, we've tried to be nice. It doesn't work. We're being taken advantage of. And there's nothing wrong with a woman being uncomfortable with some biological dude in the bathroom. And certainly competing in a sport is ridiculous. So, just thought you would enjoy that. No, I, it, well, it's just so, it's so her. Um, another story out there, and I know you thought that maybe this was a joke, but it's actually not a joke. Um, and it's some sort of trend, and it's kids, you know, taking a dump outside. Oh, boy. <laughs> Have you heard about this? <laughs> I Is that a new trend? Because... Well, okay, we're not talking about... <laughs> Like someone that would work on a farm, say something like that, yeah. and there's nowhere to go at a particular time. Mm-hmm. Um, this all started. I saw a clip on it, and then I clicked to the actual story, which was from Slate of all places, mm-hmm. and it was uh, a letter, uh, just you know, for advice, saying, "Hey, uh, I'm not a parent, but I do spend a lot of time in my neighborhood and." You know, parks, walking my dog. And over the past few years, I've observed a baffling and disgusting trend that I'd love an explanation for. Parents and caregivers of small children seem to bring little portable toilet bowls for their kids to use. They set them up under trees, within feet of playgrounds and picnic areas for these kids to poop and pee in. Mm-hmm. The park I go to has public bathrooms that are actually quite clean, with regularly stocked soap and paper towels and hot water from the sinks. Why in the world is encouraging a child to defecate in front of everyone in the park in a plastic baggie under a tree preferable to a bathroom? (laughs) These kids seem to just finish their business and run back to play on the playground, running their germy toilet hands all over other kids and the equipment, eating ice cream and candy from the nearby ice cream truck. (laughs) I'm reading this, and I can't help but laugh to myself. Why should dogs be the only ones? (laughs) What is happening? I wonder if the kids like look around like the dogs do. You're like, don't look at me. Right. Can you give me a little privacy? Huh? I, I, I don't know. Okay. So please explain. So the person from Slate uh, writes back to the person, said, hey, I get it. You're grossed out by kids, you know, taking a dump there. From my experience, this has always been a thing, but it was even more so during the COVID lockdown times because most public restrooms were closed. If a kid has to go, then a parent needs to be prepared at all times. Now that we're back to some semblance of normalcy, many parents are opting for a portable potty. And although my kids are well past that age, I don't have a problem with others doing it. It seems to now listen. Now the shaming comes in. Yeah. Seems like the people who take issue with this are the same ones who have problems with mom's breastfeeding in public. What does one have to do with well, the other? I, I don't know, but I can't tell yeah. you how wrong I think that is. Yeah, so. that's that's not a very good take. Um, they're not. They'll at clutch all their pearls and ask, "Why can't they feed their baby in a restroom or in the car?" And my response is always, "Why are you even looking in the first place?" Not to sound insensitive, but parents aren't worried about making strangers feel like you feel comfortable. They're doing it whatever it takes to get through each day with their sanity intact. If you don't like it, don't look. It's as simple as that. Look, there are certain freaking norms in society, <laughs> all right, that we all live by. We have for decades now. One of them is your kids don't poop outside. <laughs> I mean, that's... In the park! That's normal. Some kid popping a squat there? Yeah. Next to the jungle gym? Yeah, pick up after your kid. The restroom's yeah. open? No. I don't no, understand it. You don't do that. 
You don't do that. I'm with you on that. Well, it There's... depends on. I would say it depends on the age, and I, I'm not somebody who brings. You know, I don't have a porta potty or something like that. That's kind of weird to me. Um, but I, you know, it's one of those things. Like if your kid is prone to just like poop whenever, if you're in the throes of potty training or whatever, and you know they're probably going to crap their pants, you maybe you want to be prepared because you're tired of cleaning poop out of you know underwear or whatever well, you may want to still go with a diaper then. yeah <laughs> you may want to know where every bathroom is where you take your kid and well, what trust me i'm is. in the thick of it i know I, where I, every i bathroom understand is. i i did yeah. too well my kid well, yeah when she said i gotta go boom you i found it quickly yeah, get over it they're training to be homeless later all right they need to take a dump <laughs> wherever they want like, whenever they want right who you judging no <laughs> much more to get to Okay. Oh, man, I got some polling stuff. As far as who believes the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation, you got to hear this coming up. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Oh, I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay. Um, announcing that you're running for president on Twitter. <laughs> Why? Oh, highly unusual and a mess no, for no, Ron DeSantis. No, it isn't. <laughs> That's the reaction Why do they say media. think this is so weird? Yeah. Well, I don't get it. They got to find Well, it's because they hate Ron DeSantis and they really hate Elon Musk. Golly. I, I don't. I don't think their hatred of DeSantis is actually greater than their hatred of Elon Musk. Wow. Because it, does it feel like Elon Musk turned on them? Yeah. Well. Yeah. I think. I'm, I mean, he was their guy, right? He's he's like the green weenie rocket guy, and he's going to be, uh, you know, ushering in a new era free of fossil fuels and whatnot. And all of a sudden, he starts talking about free speech. What? Whoa. Well, yeah. No, oh no. no. So, yeah, Ron DeSantis is going to be making his official announcement about running for president tonight on Twitter in a conversation with Elon Musk. And the media cannot figure out why he'd go on Twitter to do it. The analysis thus far has been remarkable to me. You want to roll it? Oh, yeah. The two are set to host an event at 6 o'clock Eastern time on Twitter. I find it very baffling. Launching a candidacy with Elon Musk. This is not a parody. Twitter is very much not real life. Twitter is not where voters really are. Twitter is a diminishing force these days. What the heck is Twitter spaces? <laughs> <laughs> Who deuce. was that? That's the deuce was on that, Fox oh, and Friends. Oh, Daddy Deuce? Daddy Steve. Deuce. Okay. All right. <laughs> Steve yes. Deucey, henceforth known as Daddy Deuce. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's so interesting, as you've pointed out, David, these people, I mean, Twitter's been their lifeline for their career, a lot of these people. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Their world revolves around it. Now, well, it's, that's not where real people are. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Cause, that's yeah. where you get your news. I mean, you just last week, all of you people were like sharks going towards blood in the water when some white lady had to have or had to defend herself from having a rented bike stolen from her 
You yes. took that one Twitter video that gave just a little snapshot of the altercation and you called her a racist for it. Which, Twitter's by not the way, real life. I'm sorry to switch gears on you. What has happened to that story? She got a lawyer and was yeah. not putting up with anything. Is that story dead now? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of media outlets are very hush-hush because they realize they're going to get sued, and they should. I hope that lady never has to work again if she doesn't want to. <laughs> These people need to pay. And I saw there there's uh, somebody who uh, frequently puts this out whenever a story like that happens. You know, this is in New York. Uh, a nurse, a pregnant nurse, gets off of a shift and rented a bike, and like four or five dudes surrounded her, and they were arguing over who rented the bike first and right. whatnot, and they were still trying to harass her, and then this gets put out as like th she tried to weaponize her white woman tears or whatever, all that nonsense. It was insanity. And then they show the receipts. Actually, she had rented that bike, and he was, for whatever reason, trying to take it from her. Um and because she objected to that, she was portrayed as a racist, as a Karen, trying to weaponize her tears to get black men killed or something like that. Um, there's somebody who brings up this saying, and I do believe it now to be true. It's, you don't hate journalists enough. You think you do, but you don't. And I don't, I'm not talking about your local TV guy. I'm talking about at the national level, the mm -hmm. race baiters out there, yep. the people who will take whatever's trending on Twitter and, and repeat it as gospel. You may hate them. You don't hate them enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man, you think of it this way. Say it's the same woman with this bike situation. Mm -hmm. And it's the three of us and let's say a couple of our pals like Sean Ryma and Lars Larson. And we're all saying, hey, that's David's bike. Yeah. He paid for it. And we start getting in her face. Can you imagine as far as the reaction nationwide? Oh, yeah. It's toxic masculinity. Oh, yeah. And honestly, we would be jerks yeah. for doing that. Well, it was of course. nonsense. But they tried to flip the story into, oh, white woman tears, white privilege, blah, blah, blah. It is, man. It's disgusting how they take anything like that and try to make it into a race story. Okay, switching gears. Uh, maybe you saw this. The FBI again failed to turn over uh, the subpoenaed Bi uh, Biden criminal scheme document at briefing. That's the headline. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, what is going on? So you've got the House Oversight and Accountability Committee Chairman James Comer saying, hey, yeah, there's a subpoena. We need this. And the FBI doesn't bring it. What do you do then? It's just frustration. Yeah. The FBI is not cooperating with this investigation. Well, the reality is pretty much what you just said. What are you going to do about it? Yes, I know. <laughs> There's it's, nothing you can do. Put out another subpoena, which they will ignore. And if it's never covered, most people in the country don't even know what's going on. No. I think it was Jesse Waters last night had James Comer on talking about it just a short clip well i have subpoenaed i've subpoenaed this document so it'll end up in court uh, of course you know how the the judicial system is in america but no i have subpoenaed this document from uh director and not just the document we want to know what they did to investigate the validity of the claim this is a claim that the vice president of the united states who's now president of the united states was taking bribes from foreign nationals in exchange for american policy including foreign aid I mean, that's a pretty serious charge. Uh, yeah. What exactly did the FBI do 
to validate this claim. That's all we want to know. Yep. And they won't even admit that there's a, a Form 1023 on it. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do is right. Yeah, what are you going to do? So what? Yeah, people in the country won't put up with that forever. But you're trying to go about it the right way. But if the FBI fails and you don't have a media that even covers the story. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, happening. look where this is. There's no heat coming. There's no political heat coming. There's no outward, uh, you know, voters pushback on it. There isn't anything. They'll just go ahead and do what they want to do. Yeah, got to get these people out of office. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's, that's the only thing game. that'll change anything. I agree. Switching gears to the L.A. Dodgers. What a debacle yeah. this whole thing is now. Wow. So I thought this was an interesting piece. It was an opinion piece, Wall Street Journal. And if you ignore the cringy puns, there's some good points brought up. And as it reads, it sort of tells the story. The Dodgers uh, front office was going to honor this group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence at the team's annual Pride Night. Okay. So to say that this group would be offensive to Catholics, uh, Christians, decent people is an understatement, I would say. Yeah. Um, so this Dodgers executive, Eric Braverman, said, you know, they, the sisters, they continue to knock down barriers and foster an atmosphere of acceptance for all. <laughs> As they mock yeah. Christ and Mary and uh, some of the stuff that they do, you really can't even describe without it being too vile. Um, then it goes on to say members of the group go by names like Sister Jezebel of the Enraptured Sling, uh, Sister Shalita, Corndog. It goes on and on from there. And then it talked about the Catholic Archdiocese of Los Angeles um, were not happy with the decision to include this group on their Pride Night. And Los Angeles is a city of four million Catholics many of whom are Hispanic, who are traditionally minded, many of whom are baseball fans. So after the complaints, Dodgers said, okay, we're going to do the Pride Night, but the sisters, they can't, they're not a part of this. Right. Too offensive. Too much controversy. Yeah. Okay. Then there was pushback from the Alphabet Mafia. Mm -hmm. And then the Dodgers came out with their statement and it, apologizing and, and vowing to do the work to understand better. Right. And the sisters were going to be back in for Pride Night, and they were going to be on the field, and they were going to get an award for some of their life-saving measures. What does that even mean? Because it's linked to getting puberty blockers and young kids the yeah. genital mutilation surgery that they call life-saving. So as the writer then says... Um, Yes, the Dodgers have now just bended the knee to this group, to all these groups, really. He says, beer drinkers are starting to realize the people who run their beer business don't like beer drinkers very much. Exactly. Now baseball fans are getting similar signals from the people who run baseball. Mm -hmm. As I read that, it's Van Camp in my head going, baseball hates you, Scott. Yes, yeah. baseball hates your guts. And then I hear that, and then I hear Alex Jones in my head. They hate you. They hate God. They hate children. And damn them now. Yep. <laughs> 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 
Because you know, it's like they don't care what you feel about any of it. They don't care. Mm, no. Major League Baseball moved the All-Star game out of Atlanta in 2021 yep. to make a poorly considered political point. Goes on. Most Americans are happy to live and let live. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence have their agenda, and in a free country, that's all fine and good. But why do the Dodgers need to let Sister Taint a Virgin prance around the bases looking like a flabby Kirk Gibson in a habit? Right. Which is a great question. <laughs> Everyone is already welcome at the ballpark. Why do you have to do this? The pandering. And I think that's really the great question. And there is a huge backlash toward the Dodgers right now. We'll wait and see where all that goes. Any predictions? Oh, I think they're gonna they're gonna go through with it at this point. You can't double cancel. And I, I do think that you're gonna have some people, especially people who occupy the cheap seat uh, cheap seats, not mm-hmm. not showing up. I mean, That's why I wonder if it's going to hurt attendance. I've summoned the ghost of Larry King. <laughs> oh, man. This is bad. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is just insanity to me. Because, again, if they said no to this group, they weren't going to get hurt. Most people that go to baseball games don't want that group there. No. Highly offensive. And then you wonder, okay, Catholics across America, they hear this story. What do they think? Apparently, the Dodgers don't care. Nope. Not at all. Let's see where it goes. Uh, I wanted to bring up this little bit of good news because there are some good things happening. Sometimes they don't get highlighted enough. This is good news. It shouldn't have taken this long. But I saw this. It was from Alex Berenson, who's kept track of some of these stories. There's this 14-year-old girl, Yulia Hicks, she's in North Carolina. She actually came here from Ukraine in 2018. She's had health issues. Well, she was denied a kidney transplant by Duke University surgeons. Do you know why? Don't tell me this is vaccine related. Didn't have the COVID vaccine. Are you serious? That was in 2022. Yes, because she wasn't vaccinated. So the happy ending of the story, now she's going to be able to have the surgery. And it says that Fox News picked up this story a while ago that led to a wave of publicity. And more than 30 potential donors stepped forward. And fortunately, one was a match. And another North Carolina hospital stepped up. So she will receive a new kidney and um, meet up with the donor. And it's going to take a while to get over that. But she is going to actually be able to get the surgery, finally. So, yes, I think that highlights there's a lot of good people out there. There was a lot of bad decisions being made. Oh, Oh, my goodness. Those people. Bad. You know. I don't know what to say about them. Damn them now. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right. News update. Straight ahead right here. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, David, if I'm to understand this, if you're trying to follow the law, you would be a bigot in this yes. situation? Yeah, that, that's, that's apparently how uh, Democrats feel right now. Uh, the governor of New York says she wants to turn the illegal immigration crisis into an opportunity because, hey, somebody's got to clean our toilets and mow our yeah. lawns and pick our crops. The party Wait of a second. I, I still don't understand. We have marginalized communities yeah. that have no opportunities. There's jobs out there, but she says we need people here illegally to do those jobs. Yes, and according to Kathy Hochul, if you don't go along with this scheme, you're racist. 
Well, of course. And I also want to say to parts of our country and our state who are enacting bigoted policies based on fear and intimidation, join us. Join us. To is she saying to hire people here illegally? Yeah. You're not supposed to do that. Well, you're supposed to. Well, everybody needs to come together. And she's pushing for work permits for people who are here either illegally or, or uh, awaiting asylum claims or a faster processing time. And if you don't go along, then you're a, you're a bigot. bigot. Yep. Well, okay. Let people know mm -hmm. the true story of what New York is. It was not putting out those signs, even though Grandpa saw Irish need not apply. Eventually, those signs came down, and people were welcoming. And everything about this state and this country changed as a result. Those people came here legally. Yeah, it's, it's, this has nothing to do with an ethnic identity. It has everything to do with whether or not uh, there are people here illegally or legally, and whether or not it's the right thing to do for a company to say, no, we're not going to hire somebody whose paperwork is not in order because they're actively breaking our laws. What's the point of immigration laws if you're not willing to enforce them? But the way this lady talks, I mean, in the 1600s, she would have been standing there at Plymouth Rock saying, hey, somebody's got to, you know, pick these crops. <laughs> we got all these immigrants from Africa coming in now. We couldn't be expected to do any of this. <laughs> I, I don't understand all of it. We have no money. We have marginalized communities that are not paid attention to, but we got to have so many more people here illegally to do jobs. We're all just supposed to take that. And let's not put any work requirement on any benefits either. Yeah. Right, because of the debt ceiling. Right. Yeah, hey, listen, there's too many able-bodied Americans that are just getting benefits from the government. you got to work. Yeah. Oh, no, that's no. awful. That's why we have to have immigrants. <laughs> no. Dude, you go out and talk to regular people. This is absolute insanity. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. She's something, man. Hochul, remember when she was trying to tie in religion with getting vaccinated? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, this lady. Because she was wearing the necklace that she had been vaccinated and everybody needed to do that. And, you know, you're sort of like her congregation and you need to join in. Oh, gosh. Oh, it is. It's a sickness there. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin show. All right, biggest story of the day, David. Uh, the hot takes are flying now that Ron DeSantis is officially getting into the presidential race. Uh, well, I'm I'm can't wait to hear what he has to say with Elon Musk today. Uh, coming up, and then he'll be on Fox be News as well at eight o'clock Eastern, um, talking to Trey Gowdy. Yeah. By the way, and we'll wait and see if this is true. The word is, in that time slot with Tucker Carlson, the producers there have been told not to rip on Dylan Mulvaney. Hmm. Have you heard this? No, I haven't. Matt Walsh from Daily Wire was talking about this yesterday. A little clip of that. By the way, did you know Matt Walsh was banned from Fox News? Oh, well, yeah, we'll get into that, too. Coming up right here. Oh. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. I'm Jamie Markley, Gen Xer. The Millennial, David Van Camp, the Sexy Boomer, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. Several hundred Chicago residents protested the city's plan to house illegal immigrants at a public two-year university in the community. That's, darn the luck. That's yeah. too bad. Yeah. Darn yeah. it. 
Yeah, Scott, I was going to ask, how many bads do you have right now? I currently? have two. I have two. One, two. Two bad. Yeah. The sanctuary city. Everyone's welcome here. We're not like those mean states that won't take in. Okay, here you go. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa. We can't. Well, are we talking about the officials protesting or the people that are actually affected the by The people this? that are actually affected by Oh, this. see, yeah. that's different. Who voted for the clowns who yes. said okay. Yeah, residents packed. This is in the Washington Examiner today. Residents packed out a school auditorium in northwest Chicago. Uh, last night, blasted city officials for plans to house several hundred people in the neighborhood to alleviate pressure on packed police stations that have turned into shelters. Under the proposal, 400 uh, primarily Venezuelan migrants who illegally crossed the Mexico border and were released into the United States. Uh, they will be housed in the Wilbur Wright College Gymnasium for about three months starting uh, June 1st. And classes start in like two weeks for summer school. <laughs> unbelievable. Un- unbelievable. Oh, I'm sorry. Next week is when it. Next uh, week. When, when, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they're going to they're gonna start doing that. And, uh, yeah, a lot of people are very upset by this. <laughs> and I agree with, with Scott's assessment of the two bads here. Yeah. Too oh, bad. yeah. I, 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 I seriously. I mean, you know, it sucks for you. But you had idiot politicians that you voted for that were waving their flag on how they're, they're a sanctuary city and everyone's welcome and, because they didn't think it was ever going to affect them. Well, yes. now it has. Now yes. you're pissed? Okay. <laughs> Cry me a river. Uh, well, we've heard that you, from other neighborhoods in yeah. Chicago. That's true. Do you want to hear some of the news report from ABC7 on this? You know I do. All right, here we go. He did not hold back. On the northwest side, standing room only and emotions running high. We love people, but this is an absolute slap in the face to those who come here legally. Opposition and support for the city's latest plan for migrants. This is another chapter in Chicago's long history of immigration, whether it was the Italians, the Poles, whether folks stop it this meeting at wilbur wright college in dunning comes as the city plans to use the school as a summer respite center starting as early as this weekend to alleviate the crush of migrants overrunning police stations why don't we put them in lincoln park why don't we put them on the north shore with they they, they 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 say hey let's help out let's help out we have yeah. space and we are a community hmm. college we always talk about putting the community in community college I will not speak over people. This gathering, the latest heated community meeting. Earlier this month, Southside residents sued the city to block migrants from being housed temporarily at the former South Shore High School. The city says it's looked at hundreds of locations. We raised our hand when we housed migrants at Truman College, and we raised our hand this time around. Yeah. Who's going to headline Migrant Palooza when that happens in Lincoln Park? (laughs) (sighs) Again, I mean, I want I mean, I feel bad. I feel bad for the people who I don't didn't vote for these particular yahoos who are running things. However, I know, man, the majority did. Absolutely. Just never thought it would show up on their doorstep. That's always how it works. Just when crime starts to ooze into the other communities now. But even then, I mean, some of those communities that keep voting for the same people are the worst neighborhoods when it comes to crime. It makes no sense. Okay. Yeah, well. Moving on.
Uh, mentioned this a little earlier. Matt Walsh from Daily Wire um, on his show yesterday uh, was talking about a number of different things and was talking about a piece that was in either the Daily Caller or Signal. He'll mention Daily it Signal, yeah. Okay. About Fox News, that it's not what it appears. The, actually working there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you identify as a female and you're a biological dude, you use the restroom and pronouns are used and all this other stuff. But th- it gets to another level when he starts talking about the new producers during Tucker's Hour have been told something about Dylan Mulvaney, the trans activist. This is Walsh again from yesterday. But there's more. The Daily Signal reveals, according to sources at Fox, that the new producers for the 8 p.m. slot, now that uh, Tucker Carlson has been fired, are under strict orders from up top that they aren't allowed to bash Dylan Mulvaney anymore. Even when Carlson was still there, he had to fight just for the ability to refer to Mulvaney by male pronouns in the show's chirons. You find that interesting? I do. Yeah, I guess I would just think Tucker had to fight for that. He was Tucker freaking Carlson. He'd do whatever he wants, I thought. But I think that was one of the big issues, that he was kind of on his own island and they could not control him. Okay. One thing I also did not know was Matt Walsh apparently was banned from Fox. And I do remember, because I remember we did this bit on the show, Mm. when Walsh criticized Fox for doing this kind of a fluff piece on this trans family. And there were a lot of people upset by it at the time, saying, what is Fox doing? Trying to normalize all this stuff. This is kind of crazy. And so he speaks on that. Um, Actually, as it turns out, I'll never work for Fox News because I am banned by Fox News. The Daily Signal quotes a former Tucker producer who says that I have been blacklisted by the network due to my frank condemnation of trans ideology. And this is not, I will tell you, news to me. In fact, um, I personally began hearing from sources inside Fox dating back to last June that the decision had been made to block me from appearing on any Fox show because of my anti-trans ideology stance. Okay. That seems a little crazy as I was listening to that. I'm like, wait a second. I saw him on there. I saw him on Tucker's show. Mm-hmm. I used to appear frequently on Laura Ingram's show and Jesse Waters. Uh, in the past, I'd made numerous appearances on Fox and Friends in the morning. All of that went away. And this was not a surprise to me. I figured that would probably happen when I called them out for promoting child grooming. <laughs> I was also a regular contributor on Tucker's show up till that point. And I heard from uh, multiple sources that when Tucker found out about my blacklisting, he was livid. And he fought back against it internally and even managed to have me on his show a few times over the next year in spite of the directives from up top. Especially the case when we exposed uh, Vanderbilt's child mutilation racket back in the fall. And Tucker had me on uh, to to talk about that. And he had to fight hard to get me on the air to talk about it. I just found that fascinating. And, you know, he goes on to say, think about that. Because they had this sort of ban on me, they were wanting to keep the whole story of Vanderbilt off the air (laughs) to expose what was going on at that university. And you would think that Fox would want to expose that. That would be part of the mission. But I think that's the illusion a lot of people are under. Hmm. Yeah. It is the weird thing, too, because you kind of figure, I'm just, in, in my personal experience, at least doing this show, you know, we do have the freedom to do whatever we want. There's, yep. I mean, obviously nothing that would put anybody's 
broadcast license. You know, correct. Right. Yeah. No profanity, yes. things like that. You know. Yes. But the basic kind of stuff. But in terms of content of the show, uh, never once have gotten direction about what hmm. to do. No. No. And I assumed that you're on Fox. You kind of have the same approach. Yeah. And I then think, I, I, think I look in the mirror and say, how could you be in this business this long and be that naive, you <laughs> dope? I think, though, <laughs> yeah, I think, although I do think that this is probably just one brick in one big wall with Tucker Carlson and Fox. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying that's I mean, why he got fired. I just find it fascinating yeah, yeah, that it he is. had to it, fight to get things yeah, on. it was just that, you know. Yes. All right, you ready for your big three? Let's go. Did you get approval for him? No. Because <laughs> you don't need to. Are you right ready? One, two, three. It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Every day around this time, Scott Robbins trifecta. His top three of the day helped fight his hero. I'm Casey Kasem. Hey, buddy. Down and down. Now, I'll tell you what. Casey, I invited him over for this weekend for a little cookout. I don't know if you're coming or yes. not. Okay, good. I'm ready. Bring potato three. salad. Okay. Number three. three. Uh, Sam Britton, this is the guy who is the puppy play bondage weirdo who got busted stealing women's luggage while he was also serving in the federal government as the guy who is going to be handling America's nuclear waste. Yeah. The yeah, like a redheaded thing. guy, but bald, but the facial yeah. hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. Weirdo. He's a weirdo. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently this is controversy. He, he got arrested again because he was a fugitive from justice mm-hmm. and wasn't checking in with the proper authorities while he was uh, un- facing criminal charges. And apparently now it's controversial because he's going to be held in a men's facility. Yeah, I, I like the way they call him the non-binary baggage burglar. I like that. <laughs> it sounds good, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, they decided they're going to throw him into Gen Pop. He's now on pre-placement hold at the county jail, and they have him uh, in with the general population starting next week. Now, you may be asking yourself, and rightly so, which jail, the men's or the women's? Well, turns out that Sam is still intact. And uh, they jail criminals based on if they're intact or not intact. So the fabulous fashion sense, uh, sensibilities will now be uh, in the men's jail, where he, they're already screaming that he's not going to be safe there. Who's saying that? His people. Okay. Well, I mean, that's what happens. You break the law. You know, it, I'll tell you what, and everybody wears the orange jumpsuits. I just won't. Ha- you can't have that. <laughs> Match, though. That's a not bit. fashionable at all. No. Now, on with the countdown. Matching shoes, maybe, with it. The Scott Robbins trifecta, yes. top three of the day. Two. Uh, Adam Schiff, <laughs> a far left representative currently running for Senate in California, the top Russia truther in the House of Representatives. He's now facing a fine, you're telling me? Yeah, Representative Anna Paulina Luna. Uh, Republican from Florida introduced resolution to fine him $16 million for his claims that former President Trump colluded with Russia in the 2016 election. She says the amount is about half the cost of the federal investigation into this, uh, debunked by special counsel, by the way, time and time again, including uh, Robert Mueller and John Durham. The GOP conference agrees that Adam Schiff has betrayed the trust of the American people. He did it on purpose abused his position, and there was a lot of money involved. So they want him to cough up $60 million fine, which is just half the cost that the American taxpayers were forced to pay. 
Now, whether this or not goes anywhere or not, mm. probably no. not. That's a waste but of sure, time. It sure is fun, though. I guess. I think I rolled my eyes. I think that's dumb. No, see, I don't. I like it. And that's why, I mean, no one can tell you what to do on your trifecta. Well, any pain yours. they can inflict on Adam Schiff, I'm okay with. All right. <laughs> say it again. I'm not going to say it again. Say it again. On my show, I do what I want, okay? And finally. <laughs> the Scott Robbins trifecta Casey, top Casey, three of the day. Is. Casey, Casey. One. Uh, an MSU professor is getting sued for forcing students to give her money. <laughs> yeah, according to a lawsuit filed Thursday, Amy Weisner, professor of marketing at MSU College of Business, compelled each of her 600 students to pay $99 for a membership to join the rebellion community. It was a condition of participation in her course. I'm not kidding. Wow. According to the lawsuit, Weisner linked to a Facebook page associated with the rebellion community and wrote, the rebellion community is a safe place to coordinate our efforts to burn every blanking thing to the ground. Oh, so on April 7th, Facebook post, she wrote, MSU fired me because they did not want me and my guest lecturers to teach diversity, equity, and inclusion to students in the core business communications class. Well, that's not true. Each student had to cough up $99 in the membership money to, for this cause that she was funding in order to even take the class. Wow. So there's your answer. <laughs> yeah. And that's the Scott Robbins trifecta. There you go, man. All Top right. three of the day. All right. The old rebel yell there. Okay. The rebel yell. Yes. Goodbye. Wow, that was it for him. Okay. Still got to get to another news update. And Nimrod's the news. Someone did not start a fire while blaring we didn't start the fire. (laughs) Tell me that's not true. It's all coming up right here. The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update, David Van Camp. Well, White House press secretary and falling down a well survivor, Kareen John Make-A-Wish-Pierre, <laughs> is uh, doing a briefing about the debt limit showdown going on on Capitol Hill. Uh, she tried to do something cute. She tried to uh, show what she said was Republican hypocrisy by referencing Trump's former Treasury secretary. Remember him, Steve Mnuchin? Yes. Uh, here's... Corrine Jean-Pierre's run at saying that name. Uh, Stephen, Stephen um, Munchkin, M- Munchkin. Munchkin, yeah. Munchkin? Oh Steve Munchkin. Goodness. <laughs> Did Biden correct her? Munchkin. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> he, he was in the pocket of the lollipop guild, by the <laughs> <Right>. way. <laughs> the other breaking news is that Tina Turner has died. Yeah, I saw that. 83. The age of 83. Yeah. We'll have more on that tomorrow. You saw her live in concert. And I don't know how many Tina Turner songs you played on Top 40 Radio. I mean, a lot of them. You and Casey counted them down for we years. Did. You guys are probably hanging tonight talking about it. <laughs> right? Of course. Oh, All right, we got to get the Nimrods. Roll it out. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Ian. It's Nimrods in the News on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I love the poorly educated. All right. Nimrods in the News, we go to Minnesota. 37-year-old landlord Travis Carlson apparently deliberately set his apartment on fire a few days ago. And he did it while blasting We Didn't Start the Fire from Billy Joel. Oh, no, he didn't. That strikes one and two, man. It's like, what's more offensive? (laughs) Anyway, 
He drilled holes in his truck's gas tank, put the gas into cans, then carried them back and forth up to his apartment. His downstairs tenant heard him smashing glass and breaking things for like 20 minutes. Then he knocked on that tenant's door, told him, hey, the house is on fire. Firefighters got there. They found the apartment on fire with, we didn't start the fire blaring. Travis could face up to 20 years of prison. Still not sure why he did it. I have no idea. It's rock and roll and color wars, and he couldn't take it anymore. Maybe that, <laughs> maybe, maybe that song was like stuck on repeat. And, so and it drove him to, to it? End it. Yep. Then we had a 64-year-old guy in Kentucky, Clifton Williams. He was ticked at his roommate because his roommate took the last hot pocket. He was furious, so he threw some tiles at him, and then he shot him right in the buttock. <laughs> Dang. And that's Nimrod's in the news.